Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly, an intelligent writing app. Download Grammarly's browser extension and create a free Grammarly account at www.getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 187th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Say it's chilling. Turned the shuffle off my uh, iTunes before we talk. Man, I've been listening to some gully stuff uh, waiting for you to get on, man. I'm I'm pumped for this, for this podcast. What are your... Do you have any contingency plans if Portland gets just smashed with this snowy weather they're forecasting this this week bud or are you just gonna hunker down and uh grind um i have a bunch of food at the crib that i can just heat up and then as long as there's electricity i'm i'm I'm, i'll be good (laughs) uh what about you do you have any are you planning ahead are you yeah, we went we went grocery shopping on Saturday, which was which was packed. But like you said, as long as we got electricity, I think we'll be fine. Honestly, again, we're recording on Sunday night. They've been forecasting this for a couple of days now, maybe even like half a week. If I'm one of those, uh, I believe it when I see it. When it comes to PDX snowstorms, because whenever they predict something major is going to happen, nothing happens. So I'm I'm leaning towards nothing happening, but. Uh, I'd like a little bit of snow. It would uh, take my mind off of this blazer season. <laughs> I mean, yo, like if there's snow, my life's not going to be that affected compared to, you know, if there is snow. Like, I work at home. <laughs> I'm not. I don't have to travel that much. It's just, oh, there's white stuff on the. All right, well, I'm gonna just hunker down and play some 2K or Siege or whatever. It, not, it doesn't affect me as much oh, as I as love the, going outside. Man. Dude, I gotta say, man, there was, I went to the Milwaukee Bucks game with my older brother and that wasn't fun. But what was really not fun was that there was some like 15, 16 year old kids just being so obnoxious. I was just like, God damn, shut up, little kids. Were they in front of you to the behind you? Behind me. Why were they being obnoxious? Loud. And uh, one guy said, you know, I watch a lot of high school ball and these professionals try harder. I'm just like, no shit, Sherlock. That, that's your that's your takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. I I don't think being an analyst for for the NBA isn't either of their futures after that one. <laughs> I know it's like, no shit. They try harder. They get paid. I try a lot harder when I get paid than when I do stuff for the love. I I watched uh, today was a good day though. I I uh, watched uh, the Oregon women's. Uh, squad take care of business against uh, the Wildcats in the desert. And uh, I had on afterwards Oregon State uh, and ASU. I mean, it, it's funny because everyone kind of talks shit about the Pac-12 in terms of college football and in men's college basketball. But the women's league has like five teams in the top 25, uh, had Oregon swept, 
And had Oregon State swept this weekend, both teams would have been lined to be to be number one. Uh, ASU had a great weekend, took them both down. UCLA is the only undefeated team in in the nation, and they are I think number eight. Stanford's number five. The Ducks get them, I believe, on ESPN this week. So I've been watching. I'm, I'm going to really pick up my my college viewing experience, and not just on the men's side. Uh, I, I really enjoyed watching that game, and it's unfortunate that really you have to have Pac-12 networks to to watch uh women's Pac-12 hoops but definitely worth it I love that they went to the quarter system I wish the men's game would go to the quarter system and emulate more of the NBA style I think it would be much more of a a better visual product because um it's just not there and so you know obviously the Blazers have not played super well so I'm a sports junkie and and I love hoops so I'm making even more of an effort to find other outlets uh, to watch the game that I love. W- what have you kind of done this year so far, Sage, to kind of find other outlets that, that you enjoy? Is it playing 2K? Is it watching prospects? Is it watching League Pass? Uh, because your Pelicans aren't doing so hot this year either. So what... But you you knew from the jump once Zion was hurt that this year was a little bit lost. So I, I guess like once you see that both your teams are, are kind of out of it, what do you, what do you do? Daily fantasy research, man. Because, oh, man, like, it's... Watching Blazer sucks sometimes. So, researching other teams, watching other teams has really uh, been my shit this year. Trying to be as informed as I can as a basketball fan, as an analyst here. I I just watch uh, other NBA teams. I I always make a point of watching us and the Pelicans. But, you know, I, I watch a lot of basketball and, uh, you know, there's a lot of fun teams in the league, so I just am enjoying being a fan and not really, like, you know, caring about wins and losses per se. It's just like, okay, I get to watch the Pacers versus the Bucks and see how the Pacers can build a wall against Giannis because, shit, we had one six eight player. They had, no, we were really small. Let, let's see what a real team with healthy bodies can do. So it's just, it's just watching more ball, different teams trying – Shut up, Siri. Oh wow, she listened to a lot of that shit. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just watching ball. Event I, I watch I try and make a point of watching Georgia games because I really think Anthony Edwards is a beast. But that's uh, gotta be a lot like watching Ben Simmons play with, with LSU <laughs> because that Georgia team is absolute dog shit. Yeah. It I mean, I remember I vividly remember you and I just talking about how great Ben Simmons looked as that one star round dog shit. But you know, it, I'm definitely getting my basketball intake and uh, you know, if, still watch, watch the Blazers hardcore. If there's one takeaway that, that I can make from watching college basketball and trying to see if a player translates to the next level, it doesn't matter how good their team performs. It, it just, it doesn't. The games are, are too different the, the talent levels, I mean, you can get, you can be Ben Simmons and just get beat by a team like Butler, who has six, seven seniors that have played together for their entire lives at, you know, basically. So if, if you're watching games, looking at these draft picks, it, it just, it really doesn't matter. You just need to look at skills that, that can translate over. I, I look at energy. I look at body language. I look at rebounding. Uh, how are they 
in terms of their mechanics? Is it something that you think you can change? I mean, look at Lonzo Ball. He was basically showtime at UCLA, but we all knew he had that jacked up jump shot. Now, Jason Kidd was able to fix that over the course of his career. It took him quite some time, but that was always the knock on Lonzo. It was the knock on Sebastian Telfair. It wasn't a jacked up jump shot. He just couldn't hit it consistently. And that stopped a guy like Sebastian Telfair from being a 15-year vet, possibly potential all-star, from, you know, one contract and done. So that's kind of what I what I look for. Uh, I did watch Oregon play Arizona, and Nico Mannion is uh, a top 10 prospect, uh, a guard out of U of A. Didn't really love his game. Wasn't super athletic in terms of being able to beat his man off the dribble. Uh, defense is going to be a, a big Big talking point for him. He had a couple of nice stands, but also got blown by a couple of times. Uh, and the Blazers, if you're looking at, at, at a guy like at Mannion, just doesn't seem to fit. We have enough guards. We have enough guards who are scoring is their number one MO. So I'm definitely getting more into watching prospects, especially in the Pac-12, because, you know, conference basketball is really where, where it's at. Because I think you start to see prospects in the defense's know them so they're getting even more of a of a tougher they can zone up to really frustrate that the opposing guy. coaches have a better read on them rather than if you're playing out of conference it's the first time you've seen them mm. so they may have an upper hand so i just i just really like once once conference season gets in for me also i, I know when the games are being played that's always the toughest uh, hurdle for me but pac-12 is usually thursday and saturday sometimes fridays and sundays so you can kind of block those times off your calendar or just even plan ahead to, to watch those games. But Sage, right now, for the for the Trailblazers, the podcast that we do talk about, uh, things have not gone according to plan this season. This week was was no different. The Blazers had a rough one. They wrapped up their, their East Coast trip, came home, got a, a drubbing at the hands of the, the league-leading Milwaukee Bucks. But let's go quickly recap how, how the week went for the Blazers. They lost... 122-111 uh, in Miami against a, a very dominant home Heat team. They won on a Carmelo Anthony last second buzzer beater against a, a beat-up Toronto Raptors squad, 101-99. Uh, a pretty embarrassing loss to Minnesota, 116-102, a, a game that really wasn't as close as indicated by the score. And then as we just uh, discussed, the Milwaukee Bucks handed Portland a pretty sound defeat, 122-101. Uh, the Bucks showed why they are on pace to win damn near 70 games. And as you mentioned, and as you mentioned, Portland had one player above 6'9. That was Anthony Tolliver, Hassan Whiteside, dealing with an upper respiratory illness, uh, probable for tomorrow's game against the the Charlotte He needs Hornets. to play. He needs to play. I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, let, let, let's start right there. Does does he need to play? Because if if as a fan of the Blazers and as the season is going on. They are 11th in the West, 16 and 24, two and eight in our last 10, slipping further and further away, not only from the the eighth seed, but the seventh seed, which you really want to strive for. You want to play Denver. You want to play Utah, maybe even Houston, but OKC has 17 losses. We have 24. I mean, Sage, tomorrow marks the halfway point of the season. We are now seven games behind them and... We can't even beat teams missing their stars. Yes, I know we have a lot of injuries, but we're not taking advantage of other squads. Minnesota played without Carl Anthony Towns. Toronto, yes, we got that victory, 
but they've been dominant. Took, yeah. yeah, it took a minor miracle in that fourth quarter. I mean, Toronto had just as many bodies out as we did, but we put it on them in the fourth quarter. You know, Dame had a, a bunch of deep, deep threes, really took over. Then Melo was vintage Carmelo getting us that victory. But when you say Hassan has to play, I guess let's start this podcast off there. Where are you at mentally with, with this basketball team? When you watch them play, like right now, and we're not talking about tanking, we're not talking about rooting to to lose, but right now, I would argue losses help this team long-term better than a win against the 15-27 and 27 Charlotte Hornets. I think that Hassan takes a lot of grief from Blazer fans, and I know that the Charlotte Hornets are one of the worst teams at defending bigs, and I think that having him have a ceiling game is going to help you know, just make people not so vicious towards certain players of our team. I uh, Wins and losses don't affect me as much. I just want to see the core players and people that I like play well. And the Charlotte Hornets are the dream scenario for opposing bigs to have a good game. They allow, like, they're one of the worst rebounding teams. Cody Zeller isn't defending the paint very well. Like they allow points to centers. They they aren't a good defensive team in general. They play fast, but they're awful at defending bigs. So when I say he has to play, he has to play because I know he's going to do well. It's a very good spot for any center, and we don't have one so without him. So that humongous, uh, you know, mismatch would be gone to waste if he didn't play. That's a, that's a fair point. I think more what what I was trying to to gather is we seem to win one game and the collective community feels feels pretty good and oh you know we got a couple of easy games coming up hey can we take advantage and string some together and then we stub our toe just like we did against the Minnesota Timberwolves you know came home from work watched it we were up eight nine points in the second quarter and then all of a sudden it just it just goes to to shit. And it's it's a, a Timberwolves team w- without Cat. It's a Timberwolves team that really just made it easy uh, against our Blazers. So it's just a tough season. And I don't think there's any right answer w- with how you watch this team play, whether you want them to win, whether you want them to lose, what you watch for. I just tune in to support the squad. I tune in to see amazing plays. Hey, if Dame goes for 60 and we lose, that's fine. Like, I got, I, I got to see Dame drop 60. But what I will say is I don't think Hassan having a ceiling game is going to quiet his his doubters or his haters. For whatever reason, some portions of the community have dubbed him as the scapegoat and the reason the season has gone to to the trash and, and that's the, no, nothing he can do the rest of the way will take those feelings away. Blazer fans for whatever reason love to find one scapegoat whether it's Luke Babbitt, whether it was Ray, Ray Felton, Myers Leonard, it, it just doesn't matter that they latch on to Neil O'Shea. They latch on to one thing and they, and they don't let it go. So that that's the only thing that, that I would counter with that. Hassan could go for 50 and 25 and it would, he can get They would say it's empty 50 and 25. And they say, oh, oh, you know, he had to get it because it was against the, the Hornets. No, he, yeah, but he, then... he's a damn good player. Yeah. I, then I would counter, I'm going to play him in daily fantasy and really yeah. enjoy it. Like, I want to see good players do well, and 
this is a plus matchup for I think all three good players. Or and if you want to add Melo to it, sure, all four good players have a good spot. I would like to see each and every one of them do well. But I think Hassan would be number one on the list of pot. Like he's gonna do well. And I, I think it's kind of crazy that people just dislike him so much. I know, like you can argue empty stats or whatever, but at least he's getting stats. Because if he wasn't getting rebounds, we'd be trash. And to have your name among Bill Walton, Shaq, and Kareem, you gotta be doing something well if you're at a if you're a center. Like if you're if your name is attached to greatness in your field, you're doing something very well for your team. And I don't know, like I, I guess. I would like to see him have a really good game. And that Charlotte one is if people start saying, Hey, it's the Hornets, you know, thank you're welcome. But this is this is a very good spot for opposing centers and it has been all year and I wouldn't I don't expect Hassan to have a bad one if he's physically healthy. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating to see the numbers that he puts up only to see people kind of shit on him. Yeah. If Nurk was putting up those numbers, the community... We, I, we would say he's God. <laughs> they would be throwing, you know, a parade raising that raising his, his jersey to the rafters the following night. And I've mentioned this before, but my, my biggest fear with, with this season is that people, or even next season, they feel that Yusuf Nurkic is going to come back and take away all of the issues in one fell swoop. That's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. And somebody who has been inconsistent throughout his Blazer career. Now, when he's on, he's a top five center. But just a couple of years ago, people were calling for him to be traded because he had no post moves. He wasn't affecting the game on the defensive end of the floor. We had to take him off the court in that New Orleans series. Yeah, because he was getting played out. He was getting played out by Nico Miritich and Anthony Davis. So I I think we've built up this player, that this prestige in our minds that oh my god we're getting Yusuf Nurkic back and I I think and I fear that people are making that out to be better than what he really is now he is a damn good player but he is not an all-star I mean that he that's just the the fact of the matter he's played like an all-star for stretches but he is not an all-star player he is not one of the 12 best players in the Western Conference what would you rank him as far as people in his position though he is a top 10 center, and I I love the fit. I think he fits perfectly with Dame, CJ, Zach, and Rodney. But again, we don't have Rodney, and Zach's not going to come back until March. So I just want everyone to take a deep breath and just kind of throw this season away. We're just trying to power through this season. What I want to get out of this season is health and repetition and development. Health, meaning we don't get anybody else injured. Repetition, meaning Zach and Nurk, they come back and they just get their legs underneath them. They get their feet wet so they're ready to go into the 2021 season. And development, we need to be playing Anthony a little bit more. We need to be playing Gary Trent and this are a little more minutes and bigger minutes. It's okay to take CJ or Dame out of the game at a crucial point in time for development purposes. Like, to me, there there is a reason, Sage, that, that we have not signed anybody to a 10-day contract. And I honestly believe we're, we're stealth. This is how we're tanking. Some people will say it's financial, but I have a hard time believing that we are going to let a 10-day contract really 
tip the scales as to whether or not we are going to make a business decision. I mean, we're talking about the Allen estate here, worth billions of dollars. To me, what they're trying to do is I think they're trying to get through the season. And I think as we get closer to the February 6th trade deadline, that's when we may we may make a move. I, I, I do believe some people inside the organization have kind of dismissed the season. And I think that is probably whether it's a tough pill to swallow. I, I think it's the, the right pill to take. This week really kind of cemented that it's going to be a very uphill battle for us to get to the places that we wanted initially this season. And I think our uh, ownership and, you know, the basketball people are seeing that maybe it's a good idea to cut it down, which hey, I did not think that I'd be saying it um, January 12th of this year. I, I thought it would be much later. So I kind of see where you're tanking or where you're thinking, not tanking, but, uh, man. So is it time to, for Blazer fans, you and I to really start studying one through 14 potentially? Like I said, the conference games have begun. Like this is college basketball at its best. Don't just rely on the conference tournaments. Don't rely on March Madness. I have been fooled by the voodoo of March Madness. I have drank that Kool-Aid. I drank the Tyrus Thomas Kool-Aid. Oh, I, I was, was about to mention him too. I was all aboard that that bandwagon. I was leading I will, that band. I was leading that charge and he was out of the league in like 6 years. No, he played 10, so I'm good shit well, good on the, him. The way he played it might as well have been 6 because the I guy we Glenn Davis was going to change shit, bro. Because the guy we got instead who he outplayed, Tyrus Thomas completely outplayed LaMarcus Aldridge in that matchup. Well, LaMarcus is going to be a Hall of Famer, whether you like him or not. Doesn't matter what feelings you have towards him. After he left the Blazers, his career, he is going to be a Hall of Fame basketball player. And we we made the right decision there. So, you know, don't fall in love with what you see in, in March. And, or is, in one particular matchup. Or one, yeah, I watched this guy play one game. No, just take a body of work. You know, you don't have to watch the whole game. Go to YouTube, uh, read the mock drafts, read the scouting report, and... Just know that guys get better, especially we have really good coaches who can develop. So um, I'm definitely interested in learning more about, you know, a few players. There's a, a power forward from Dayton, and Dayton's having a really good year. Uh, this this player, Obi Toppin, has kind of came out of nowhere, and it's a player I started reading about, seeing him rise in in the mock drafts, and it fills a position of, of need, which is even better. So I'm going to look for him. Washington has two prospects. Yeah, they the have, UW small forward. I was gonna. They have Jaden McDaniel's and they have Isaiah Stewart. Uh, USC. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his name because I know I'm gonna butcher it, so I'm gonna call him Double O. He's a pow- <laughs> but he's a power forward as well. Uh, Tankathon has him going sixth. Has the sixth best prospect right now. Uh, there are a lot of talented guys out there, and whether you take a player or not, having a higher pick is just more cash in your pocket that you can use that. That is a great asset. So if we want to package and then you package that pick, we can get better. It just, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I don't want to add another young player to the roster. That is a completely valid point to have. And I probably, I could be persuaded into, a, you know, falling into your line of thinking. Um, another line of thinking is, well, Damon CJ take up a lot of our cap. You know, Nurk's going to get paid in a couple of years, especially after signing with Clutch. 
and we're probably going to need a lot of team-friendly deals, so it's not a bad idea to keep another player on your books that's going to you know, be cost-effective. Or replenishing your stockpile of young assets. Absolutely. Which... I mean, we've got a good core. We've got Zach. We've got Nasir. We've got Gary. We've, we've got Ant. Like, you can continue to add to that, just like the yeah, Spurs I mean, do. Damn it. Why are you taking all the shit I was about to say? Because, <laughs> yeah, the Spurs have young, will always have, you know, a stockpile of good players. Lonnie Walker doesn't get rotation minutes on this team. He's going to be there for the future, though. You can bet your ass he's going to be there for the future. Derek White was taken, I think, like 28 or 29 in that yeah. in that 2017 draft. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he was is, a monster yeah, he, in, he, in that he playoff looks, series against Denver. He looks like a core piece, not a nice surprise type of player. He he looks great. And DeJounte Murray was also mm-hmm. a late round pick. A guy who was a freshman, didn't really play that well at Washington. Dropped in the draft. Spurs take him. What do you know? Now he is a, a valid trade ship so like like neil o'shea not he can draft gets traffic he gets graphics <laughs> he can draft and i i don't want to hear anything ab- about that like neil o'shea question his free agency signings question some of the trades do question, not question do not question his ability to draft yes he made a mistake and took caleb swanigan but find me another GM who has had a perfect draft record. It just doesn't exist. You have to take the good with the bad. And Caleb was like the 24th? 26th pick. That's tough to nail. Like Absolutely. How many 26th picks do you know? I mean, the Spurs basically took all the late picks. So. <laughs> I, I mean, mean you, go, you go Tony Parker, you go Manu. Uh, just, I don't even think Bruce Bowen was drafted. Uh, they, it, it's just, it's few and far between. So... You just gotta I, I, get lucky. You gotta I, get lucky. There's so much luck in the NBA, and like these guys are so damn talented. It's about getting picked to the right situation for them as a player. I mean, LeBron would be LeBron anywhere he goes, but are you telling me that Ben McLemore would be would wouldn't be would be such a failure if he was drafted to the Blazers at ten? Or like, there's so many different situations. In, in in this draft process. So, I mean, we took a shot on Mario Hazonia and it isn't working out, but I think Neil's going to try and make those, those cheap asset moves throughout his tenure with the Blazers. And sometimes they hit and sometimes they don't, but at least he took that swipe. But yeah, I, I, I trust his draft idea. I mean, like, Dude, dude found so many good players. Like, no one knew who fuck Anthony Simons was. No. Yeah. And Zach Collins was the third big on that Zags team. He was a sixth man. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, he has a good gut. He has to trust it. And so far, what, it's turned out great. What do you make of the report coming out of ESPN, specifically from Brian Windhorst, that he believes the Blazers will ultimately stand pat. Now, uh, of all of the reporters, I would not have pegged Brian Windhorse as being dialed into the Blazers' front office. Usually, Adrian it, it's Wojnarowski yeah, is it's the mouth. Nothing. I would say Chris Haynes has okay, the players. Yeah, yeah, you, I, I, yeah, but so it's either Chris Haynes or Woj. So I'm, I'm not taking that report too seriously. Also, <laughs> we have about 24 days 
uh, until the trade deadline, but it does fall in line with the Blazers not signing anybody to a 10-day, not using that disabled player exception, uh, really waiting till after the buyout market doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense now because we're going to be so far down in the standings and you don't retain those players' bird rights. So I, I would say in that sense, I could see Portland standing pat, but Sage, at this point in the season, nearly halfway, what it really comes down to is, is Portland going to trade Kent Bazemore or Hassan Whiteside? It's really those two. Those are your big trade ships. Those are the expiring contracts. Is it? Do you believe we're going to stand pat, or do you think we ultimately move them? I don't trust it. Man, Neil Shea, you, you've been a fan of this team for so long with Neil Shea as the, as the brain trust. Nothing leaks. Nothing fucking leaks. So, like, maybe maybe Windhorse said this so Kent Bazemore is more attractive to potential trade team, like, for a potential trade, or Hassan. I don't think it's in a legitimate uh, take with, you know, Neil's stamp of approval. I can see a way that this ends up being true. But if I was a betting man, which I am, I would say one of two, one or both of Hassan or Kent isn't on the team in the after the deadline. On a scale of one to ten, how disappointed would you be if Portland makes no moves at the deadline? I would have to know more. Like, I, it's tough, man, because it, it's so far from the actual day. I would need to know what, like who's who's buying who's selling i i do think we make a move i it might be a small one it might be kent bays more but if we made no moves i would be perplexed but not disappointed do you think internally they are trying to sell nurkic and hassan on playing together long term so are we talking 48 minutes with one being the direct backup of the other or them on the court at the same time? I think you're probably leaning 80% towards the, the former, 20% towards the latter. There may be certain matchups where you could get away playing them both together. If you're playing the Lakers or something. Exactly, but I think the most of the time it's going to be, okay, here's my starter, here's my bench guy, and I'm going to play the hot hand to, to finish the to finish the, the streak. Uh, do you think internally they're having those discussions? Hassan has had a nice season. Like I, I don't think anyone can can dismiss that there have been i think more growing pains with the offense especially the screens where he needs to be than probably initially expected but when the offense is being ran through him he is shooting over 60 percent he is the you know producing so he does have a 24 million dollar expiring contract that could be difficult to move you may not find a deal that is even worth it to, 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 to move him so, do you think at least initially they they I, are I, they have having to, those discussions? They have to at least try. So, yeah, I is there a way offensively that those two can work together? Like Nurk at the at the top of the key, passing it to Hassan. Do you think we could have an efficient offense if those two play together for let's say five minutes a game? I mean, I, I would I would hope you could put any pairing on the, the Blazers roster together for five minutes and, and it work. So yes, I, I would say absolutely. So let if if we're if we're let's pretend we're uh, trying to court Hassan. 
how many minutes would you get, say you're you're guaranteed for 26 minutes a game or is that too much or too little i mean it's got to be 24 to 28 minutes a night so there'll be at least 4 minutes of hassan and nurkic together yeah i mean yeah. i would say basically zach hassan nurk you're you're a big rotation and we'll fill in the rest so we choose to two out of those three will probably be on the court unless something weird happens at all times unless a team's going small and you really want to go just just zach as your five and you know hoodie at your four i mean you there, there's multiple ways to do it that that's what i'm saying is like I would be upset if we didn't make a move, but again, I would need to know the whole story and we may not find out the whole story until July 1, 2020, uh, to see who, what, what the plans are, you know, are we going to, to bring Hassan back? Like he has been a really strong player for us and I don't think he's going to get a large deal. Centers just don't get big deals anymore. I know people are starting to think that this free agency class, because it is so weak, the money is just going to get shelled out. I think it's going to be the opposite. I think the money is going to be tight this summer because owners are getting smarter. Yes, you're going to see one or two head-scratching moves, but Sage, really, since that 2016 bonanza, I I haven't been as surprised with some of these deals being handed out, and the amount of times I'm surprised is decreasing year after year after year. Uh, these front offices are, are starting to wise up a little bit. Mm. So the... Uh, <sighs> Want to hear something embarrassing? I had to use my calculator for 48 times too. <laughs> <laughs> so 96 big minutes in, in, for the Trailblazers. And all 96 would be divided by Zach Nurkic, Hassan, and then some fourth big. I mean, yeah, I think you probably got to throw in this here little a couple of okay, couple yeah. minutes too. Yeah. I mean, shit. Right now we have one big. It'd be cool to have three legitimate NBA caliber bigs on the team. If I, I shit, I would love to see if it works. And I don't think Hassan's gonna get this big ass contract, like you said, but it's gotta you gotta be a fucking G to convince someone who loves starting, loves putting up big enormous stats. Hassan to- loves him some Hassan stats. And I- <laughs> and, and, and Nurk is Nurk, also- choir, Nurk is no choir boy when it when it comes to getting on the court. Like he he's cocky. He wants to play. He wants to start. Like that, there's a reason he and Jokic didn't work in Denver. Like he viewed himself as the starter on that team. And I think I'm past the point of saying, "Oh, Dame can fix everything." That's mm-hmm. not fair to him. So last year, he played 27 minutes a game. Who is he? Yusuf Nurkic played 27 minutes a game according to uh, basketball reference. There is minutes available if if Nurk maxes out at 27 a game. And you also got to factor in foul trouble. You got to you got to factor in minutes restrictions coming off of an injury, and you got to factor in matchups. Mm-hmm. I mean, yo. I absolutely think they're tr- they will mention it if they haven't already. I think that you absolutely have to try because that twenty four million dollars is a asset, but it, it it's going to be a tough sell to trade that asset right now. 
with how enormous that shit is. So yeah, you're gonna I would have try. To, you're gonna have to take back a you, you might get you might get a two for one, like a, a Zhang in, in Covington where it works under the cap. Or you're looking at an albatross contract like Batum. Like Chris Paul, like a Batum, like a Kevin Love. Like those are the types of players that you're gonna be looking for and they're gonna have a lot of years left on their deal and they're gonna make a ton of money. And you got Damon CJ with 30 plus kicking in. So that's where the Blazers have to make their decision because I would say not even theoretically. It's basically pen to paper. Portland has their starting lineup on the, on the roster already for next year with Dame, CJ, Hood, Big Z, and, and Nurk. So if you trade Hassan or you trade a Bazemore, you're likely not going after a big fish. You're probably just trying to round out the roster and if you do find an upgrade it's probably at the four and Zach can be your backup big so the options are a little limited and I don't think it is as cut and dry as maybe I initially thought it was but I think regardless of regardless of all of that Neil O'Shea does get paid a lot of money to to manage this team and to manage the roster and the season hasn't gone as planned, and so I think he needs, and I'm sure he did that with his staff, they have contingency plans. Okay, now where do we turn our focus to? And it, from all from all accounts of this, okay, we're turning our focus to the future. And I think Portland needs to say, okay, are Hassan Whiteside and Kent Bazemore future members of, of this team? And if the answer is no, then you need to maximize that asset because come February 6th at... 11:59 Pacific Standard Time. Those those assets are are expired. You cannot move them. They they're just dead weight on your books essentially. I have a friend who works worked at the for the Denver Nuggets and he told me plan A when they were uh like in back when the Hawks were the that uh 60 win team is that next year they're trading for Al Horford and that or or, or and uh Paul Millsap was going to go to the Celtics. That Celtics uh, signing of Paul Millsap uh, didn't go through, and they switched so fast to sign Paul Millsap. That, so a lot of teams have backup plans. We don't know what's going on through uh, Dil Shea talking with whomever. We don't know. So it, it, it's a lot of trust of like what's best for the long term for this team and. He got re-upped. He has long-term. He has a long-term contract. He can do what's best for us in the future and not trade everything in a panic trade to save his job. Uh, now, so at least he has that, you know, long-term deal. And I think the Blazers actually benefited from going to the Western Conference Finals last year more than we understand. I think that gives the team a little bit of breathing room to say, okay, let's take our foot off the gas pedal this year. Mm. We don't need to go all in. We don't need to win this year. We had our success last year. And I think had we got bounced in the first round again last year, I think Terry Stotts is probably already fired. I think Neil O'Shea may be gone. Like I think a lot of moves. Or, or it made. would be extraordinarily thin ice for both of them. It would, the, the seat would be blazing hot. Uh, no pun intended. So I, I do think having that success last last year gives them additional breathing room. Absolutely, gives them, it's the margin gives them of a error. Lot, yeah, it gives them a, a much 
higher margin of error. And I think it also, from a player's perspective, while you got as close as you were to, as you've ever been to a championship, it, when looking at it through Dame and CJ's perspective, they've at least been there and they know what it takes. And so they're smart enough to realize that this is just a minor setback. It's it, This isn't the end all. This this season doesn't define who they are, doesn't define their careers as as players for the Trailblazers. They made it to the conference finals. They didn't get. They didn't. They did not get bounced out of that first round again. And I think had they got bounced out of the first round last year, they would be a lot more upset than maybe that they're showing now, or than than they just are. Because you that there's just a lot of pent up frustration that can be carried on from from season to season. But you did have success last year, and it's 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 okay to kind of hit the reset button and, and recalibrate and and really refocus. And, you know, you go out there, you put your best foot forward, but I think they know that this year isn't the year. And we can see it with all of the injuries. We can see it with how the roster has been constructed. And you can just... There's just a sense, I think, around this season that it, it's not meant to be. There's just been too many injuries one after another, uh, we just found out this week that, you know, Scalabissier is going to be reevaluated in four weeks. Apparently he had a left knee articular cartilage lesion. And I have no freaking clue what that means, but it means he's, I, I would be surprised if he plays again this year. I mean, if they're going to reevaluate you in four weeks, that doesn't mean you're coming back. <laughs> absolutely not. And, and to think like. Do you think Dame Nurkic and CJ in 2023 were more playing for, let's just say, a championship? Do you think they really give a shit about 2019-2020 sucking? If they're, I would hope not. I, if, I would honestly hope not. Yeah, I don't think. I think it, it, if there is success in the future, this is just a blip on the radar for all three of those players, and that puts a lot of pressure on future success. Absolutely. But isn't that what this year is about is future success? Like, don't play your guys outlandish minutes and plan for the future. And when you get into your opportunities, take them. But, like, I, I don't think Dame or CJ will hold this year against us if we have success in the future. It just seems so way out of pocket. So you're talking about the future, and I think that's been the the – the mantra of this podcast since we have started to notice the season going downhill. Sage, one of the biggest frustrations for me when watching this team isn't the wins or losses. I'm starting to lose a little bit of patience with, with Terry Stotts and his, I don't know what I would call it. His, his lack of, of development for, for, for Nasir Little. Like Nasir was a player that was getting starters minutes before we signed Carmelo and he he plays 12 minutes against the Minnesota Timberwolves, 13 minutes against the Milwaukee Bucks, both games that were frankly blowouts. And, uh, and we're talking about Milwaukee. Hassan was out, so we needed another body to play. We're, we're playing Jalen Horde, who's a two-way player, three to four minutes a night more than, than Nasir. In some cases, Mario Hazonia is playing the same amount of time. Sage, is there any rhyme or reason why we are not giving him... 
25 minutes a night. And I, I don't think it can be, oh, we don't know what's going on in practice because the dude busts his ass and plays 110% every time he's on the floor. And, and most times he's the guy bringing the most energy in, in a trailblazer uniform. So is there anything that you can think of to for Terry Stotts not to give this young man more of an opportunity? I would imagine that Neil O'Shea went down to Terry Stotts' office and said, hey, Rio, we need to get rid of Rio. Try and showcase him, put him in spots where he succeeds, and that's directly, uh, in that's dire- that's like a direct play. So Nasir doesn't get the minutes. That's my that's really my only idea of why Nasir isn't getting minutes because you need. But then Jalen the- Horde is playing seventeen minutes a night, and you, you're not trading him. He's a two way guy, so. I also just don't think that playing Mario Hazonia anytime is going to boost his his stock. So that's just me playing playing devil's advocate. Like I, I wonder, are they potentially looking to trade Nasir and they don't want to showcase him too much because he is a raw prospect? Um, I'm just kind of looking for, for answers and spitballing things because it's really perplexing to me that in a lost season where you're likely not going to contend or even make the playoffs that you wouldn't want to use it to develop your first round draft pick. And that even goes to Kent Bazemore. Like I think I've, I've seen enough of what Kent Bazemore can bring to this roster where I want to see how Nasir Little acts as a starting three in a legitimate starting five with Hassan Mello as his bigs and Damon CJ as his backcourt mates. I mean, shit Sage, what we're doing right now isn't working. So why not at least try and get, give this, give this kid a chance to, to develop. And so when we're in contention, he's already got the training wheels off and he's ready to go. It's like the theory of uh, Royal jelly where you got to give these young guys minutes. I, I get Kent Bazemore gives you a better chance at winning. I get it, but I'm fucking tired of seeing whoever the fuck's guarding Kent Bazemore's man to be in the middle of the paint because they don't respect him. I would much rather see Gary Trent in that spot or Nasir Little. They are... We got to figure out if Gary Trent Jr. is part of this core or uh, like a a, a core play or he's not. And I don't think we're getting the proper amount to to really see in game action for Gary, Gary Trent Jr. and Nasir. So... It seems like Kent Bazemore is a huge speed bump for those two guys to get those minutes. And like Kent Bazemore finished the fucking game against Milwaukee. Why? Get Gary Trent, get Nasir, get every young guy that has a chance and see what they can do in real game time situations. And at least bring up Moses Brown. I mean, for, for fuck's sake, you can't tell me you can't bring him up when you know Hassan's not playing. I mean, this is a guy that you're you're not paying any more or or less we could i i guess what's the point of having these uh, you know a two-way big when you have no bigs if you're not going to bring them up and play so i i, I think out for that game or was he moses, ne- Mo- moses brown didn't play they, we haven't brought him up in a minute i mean it's been so he's still with the Turos? The, the texas texas is he with the texas legends or is that where jalen hordes at i would imagine both are on the same team but I'd- well, i well i know jalen's with the texas Le- legends because he uh, I just follow him on IG, and so I get a lot of his, his stories. But, like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Like, there's no need saving him 
for those 45 days in a game no. where we have no bigs. Like the Milwaukee game was a tailor-made showcase mm-hmm. just to just to give him playing time. Yeah, against the best team in the league. Go out there. You're probably going to play 40 minutes a night. I mean, no offense to Anthony Tolliver, but we don't need to see what Anthony Tolliver gives us anymore. I mean, it's just at that point of the season, and I'm not trying to be harsh because I, I think the team is consistently con- made consistent of uh, a lot of good guys. Like, I, you feel proud rooting for these players as, as people. But we're at the point in the season where we're halfway. I mean, we got to be realistic with ourselves. It's not happening. I, I don't need to see Anthony Tolliver go two for six from on threes. Like I'd rather see Moses Brown try to get his feet wet or I'd rather see Nasir Little go one for seven on threes, but Hey, he's getting those repetitions. Will he ever be a good shooter? I don't know, but we're not going to find out unless we, we're not going to give him this, the tools to get better unless we throw him out there. Do you think Stotts thinks that Moses Brown could be any good? Cause even when he's up, he doesn't play any meaningful minutes. It makes me. I mean, th- is is he good? No. I mean, he's he's a player who was undrafted out of UCLA, and I didn't even know he played for UCLA last year. And I watch a decent amount of Pac-12 basketball, but we'll never know. The, the, the fact of the matter is, we started a guy at six eight, and he was our tallest player. At least he gives you some size. Yeah, at least he, he's tall. He's tall, and you can't teach height. So, and again. The, the reason for having these two-way players is to put them in situations like this just to see if by the off chance you strike gold with a guy like, you know, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Jonathan Simmons. Jonathan Simmons, like yeah. a, a G League guy that can come up and actually be beneficial. Hell, Yogi Ferrell won Dallas a couple of games and is still in the league. He's getting money from the Kings. Like, so eighth man money. It can be done. So, I you know, I guess when... The Blazers are having such a, a terrible season. There are a lot of things to to nitpick, and I, I I really have always felt strongly about developing young players when seasons are lost. And we we had a lot of lost seasons in the two thousands decade, and we had a lost season actually in that lockout shortened year of, of twenty twelve. And I just hope the Blazers know know when to basically pull pull the plug on this year. And they did that in 2012. They traded Gerald Wallace, and they got a draft pick that turned into Damian Lillard. Just just be smart, Blazers. Don't try to make this season what it isn't. All right, Sage, let's take a quick commercial break, then let's break down the upcoming slated games for our Blazers. For you, the listeners of Holy Backboard, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard again that's getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard to download grammarly for free all right everybody welcome back to the holy backboard podcast dustin and sage here 
Sage, it was a 2-1 week for us, which means it was a bad week for the Blazers because we predicted losses against Toronto, Minnesota, and Milwaukee. As we noted, Mello came through in the clutch for the Blazers, was Portland's uh, first win in Toronto in some time. But overall, I am 16-21, and 21, or excuse me, I am 18-22, and 22, you are 23-17, and 17, so I am still... Five back in in the loss column with about, you know, we got 42 games left here. So uh, there's time for me to make my move. Uh, We have four games on the the docket. One home, which is tomorrow night against the Charlotte Hornets. And then Portland heads out for a three-game trip. Uh, Houston, Dallas, and OKC. Those games are Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Sage, let's kick it off. Uh, We can keep this one a little short because you kind of already gave us a breakdown on the Hornets. But uh, Hassan is probable to play against the, the Hornets. Uh, who do you got and why? I, I mean, we got to shout out Devontae Graham. And, uh, dude is playing fantastic. He kind of reminds me of Dame. He's four-year guy that's just taking, uh, taking advantage of his opportunities. He is someone that the Blazers really need to account for. Terry Rozier plays a lot of minutes, sometimes gets hot. The rotations are weird with the forwards. Sometimes PJ Washington gets minutes. Sometimes Marvin Williams gets those minutes. Uh, but yeah, they're really light with uh, Bismack and Cody's out of playing the 48 minutes for the Hornets, leading to one of the best situations for opposing bigs to get a lot of stats. I'm going Blazers win. Yeah, Charlotte is a team I looked at their roster and it's like, man, this is the all Dustin draft prospect love team i mean they have miles bridges from michigan state we both fell in love with malik monk wanted to take him in that 2017 draft i loved kid gilchrist coming out oh man he's just getting jerks kentucky uh man charlotte is basically the sacramento of the east where great prospects go basically they just go away and you never really hear from them again uh i got the blazers winning this one especially if hassan plays Charlotte is on the second night of a back-to-back. They just fell tonight in Phoenix, uh, 100 to 92. This, I, I think, is going to be a, a litmus test for probably how the Blazers are going to play up until the trade deadline. Like you have to, you have to beat Charlotte. I mean, if if you don't beat Charlotte, I think the wheels really come off, and we really see maybe some some DNPs for for Damon CJ. But I think deep down, the players still believe it's going to turn around. I mean, you can't tell a player otherwise. And this is a measuring stick game for that. And I think Portland had a measuring stick game uh, against uh, Toronto. And they they passed that one. They they fought back against a team that was is probably diminished roster-wise as, as they were. Uh, we saw it against Washington. They did there. They went there. They won by 19 points. But they have also done that against teams like Phoenix and New York and lost. So conventional wisdom says Blazers win. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. Uh, Charlotte, they're, they're playing. You know, individually, those guys are playing for something. You know, Devontae Graham still wants to make this season memorable for himself. You know, Terry Rozier is a competitor. He's going to go out and try and get buckets. So Portland what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way, they can't just show up and say, okay, the Hornets, we're, we're going to beat them because Portland right now is really no better than, than they are. So I do think Portland wins. I think Hassan coming back is going to provide a much needed boost, especially when you look at the 
the alternative, which is, you know, playing with, with Anthony Tolliver as the starting, starting big. But, you know, I, I think Hassan's going to have a big night and I think our backcourt is going to be better than their backcourt. Uh, so I got the Blazers winning that one. So Portland kicks off a three game trip against the Houston Rockets, a team they just have, have not played well so far this year, only once, but it was a, a 24 point loss to Houston in Houston. This will be the final matchup. In Houston against the Rocket Sage, is there anything the Blazers should do defensively against James Harden? Is um, is that Houston play before or after this game? Yes, Sage. They play in Memphis against uh, a Grizzly team that is eighth currently in the West right now. On Tuesday, they, they get us at home on, on Wednesday, and they also have the Lakers on Saturday. So Portland is is kind of a I would say a mini trap game for for the Houston Rockets. So you, conventional wisdom would say Russell rests this game and plays the Memphis and then the Lakers game, right? So you in theory could trap James Harden whenever he crosses half court and just. But we know Terry Stotts does. and uh, <laughs> he he doesn't like to play any style of defense except straight up. We like if Russell's gone, it's all on James Harden to set up. Uh, uh, this team and like, there's only if Russ is out, there's only one guy that sets everything up, and that's James Harden. Make life as hard as possible on James Harden. Like Eric Gordon has had a year long slump. There is nobody that can get their offense uh going besides without James Harden's help. Like PJ Tucker needs him. Like and PJ the- and uh Clint Capella. Are both day to day. D'Antoni expects PJ to play against Memphis. Clint Capella did not play in their last game on, on Saturday, so could be up in the air whether each plays, especially on a back to back. So PJ could play and then not play Wednesday. So Portland again could have another opportunity to beat a depleted team. You know what's crazy? I'm looking at uh, like the Rockets. PJ Tucker is in the second percentile in usage. They need James to set up every single person if Russell is out, which I would assume he will be out this game. And if Capella doesn't play, watch out for Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, If the name sounds familiar, he actually is the son of former Oregon Duck uh, big man in the 90s, Flo Hartenstein, and uh, he had seven. Couldn't you imagine some 90s, like, Rapper being Flo Hartenstein, come on. I mean, he had 17 and 15 on 8 of 9 shooting against the Timberwolves. So they definitely, they, they have a plug and play style. And especially against uh, teams that are wounded like Portland, it almost doesn't seem to matter who they put out there. Harden is just that engine and he's the, he's the straw that, that stirs their drink. And uh, it, it's going to be tough for, for the Blazers, I think, to get this Would one. you what put Kent? on him and say make his life hell honestly you know what i would do sage i kind of liked what utah did how they played him they basically played him from behind i think players are so concerned with getting a hand up in his face that they they lunge at him or they fall for his tricks because a lot of times when he's dribbling to the basket he's looking to draw contact rather than actually make a basketball player and when he goes into his you know dribble motion up at the top of the key, you know he's going to step back and shoot. 
I would honestly let him dribble his heart out and almost like rope-a-dope him. Like, just, just make him dribble the ball as much as he wants. And if he's hitting shots from 30, 30 feet, okay. But one... He's not getting others involved. He's not getting assists. He's not getting Hartenstein, probably nine dunk attempts. Two, he's not getting to the free throw line. If he wants to shoot 33 pointers, make him make at least 15 of those. Like I, I, I'm legitimately honest here. I would play him. If you're going to, if you're Terry Stotts and you are adamant about playing him straight up, just back off him a little bit and say, I'm going to make you shoot a couple feet behind the three point line and you're going to dribble the ball and you're going to do your step back. Those are difficult shots to hit consistently. You're just so going to make him into a 2K dribble god. Okay. Yeah, I, that's I, what I would honestly, do. Honestly, I like it. Like That Houston team's tough when James is dribble penetrating and kicking out to open shooters that all they know how to do is shoot and sort of play deep. Or throwing up lobs. Yep. I, I, mean, I think it's a loss for the Blazers. Yeah, I, I we have nobody to defend Harden, and I don't think... I don't think the Blazers are going to try anything out of the ordinary to defend him. So I really have, it's sad to say, I, I just have no hope that the Blazers would even try anything different against Harden. I mean, what what is insanity? Trying the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's kind of what a lot of uh, coaches do when they defend Harden. I mean, you really have to play off of him a bit because he's just so lethal when he gets into the middle of the paint. And he, he's great at drawing contact. Do not give him free throws. Make him earn every bucket on the perimeter. And I know it's a lot easier said than done, but that would be my overall strategy. But but as you said, I, I think we have um same mindset. I have a loss there as well. You know, like there's a long history of James Harden getting busy against man defense, but he ain't seen Camp Azemore. Or he ain't seen our lockdown to now, I think we should uh, sign up for that defensive coaching open seat, vacancy that, that should be available. We have the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, Porzingis had the, the RFP injection in his knee recently. He did not play in, in Saturday's game. But they have the Western one of the if the if the the voting was ending today and it was just strictly by fans uh they they have an all-star starter in Luka Doncic who it's crazy to believe he is just a a sophomore in in the league because he already looks like a uh he already looks like a bona fide hall of famer my man and that's just the easiest way to put it so he's in the 100 percentile in usage and that you know that usage is only going to go up since Chris Stapps is out or potentially out um Man, dude, he doesn't get the points that Harden does, but he gets peripherals that Harden wished he got. Like, he just is everywhere. He's a huge part of the rebounds. He's a huge assist guy. Luka Doncic doesn't score like Harden, but goddamn, he's part of the offense like Harden. The number one usage player. So we're going back-to-back with high-usage guards that get their teammates involved really well. I think the greatest testament that I can give about Luka Doncic is there are just some players that they have that it factor. They make their teammates better. And there, there's always that, that saying, oh, does he make his teammates better? What does he do? It's not exactly what he does. He just evokes so much confidence that, Sage, if you're doing a group project and you know you've got the smartest kid on your team... You feel better about what you're going to present because, oh man, if it's good enough for this guy, it's got to be good enough for me. 
And he he really reminds he's a guy like a Magic Johnson that players just they elevate, they they rise to his occasion. He brings them up with them. And he can rebound, he can dribble, he can shoot, he can pass, he has outstanding height for his position. He's been tested in the Euroleague. He plays at his pace, too, which is a huge thing. You can't rush him out of what he wants to do on the court. The game just comes so slow to him. And he is able, you said that, play at his pace, his style, his way. Uh, I think the league is in good hands for a very long time to come. And uh, he is uh, reason number one why. I mean, I, I honestly think if you were to start a franchise today that you could make an argument that he's the number one pick in, in that franchise draft. It's Giannis just, or Luca, right? Yeah, and if Giannis has another uh, conference finals like he did last year, I think the scales are going to start tipping in in Luca's favor because what what's been the knock on Giannis? Oh, he can't shoot. Well, he's starting to put that together a little bit, but we'll Luca's see. already like wildly efficient. At Luca's that. not the physical freak that Giannis is, and so we know Giannis isn't always going to be able to have those. Uh, that athleticism, the athleticism is a, is a, is father time. That that's undefeated. It, it's on it's on a a time. It's ticking right now. So c- can Giannis add elements to his game that don't rely on athleticism? And that that's going to be that's the debate. It, it's Luca or Giannis, and he is a second year player. So it's crazy we are even discussing that. Uh, the Mavericks are right in the thick of things. Currently, they're in sixth. Uh, they're five and five in, in their last ten, so they're they're not as hot as they were before. But they have a lot to play for, Sage. And uh, I just don't see how the Blazers. We've already won once. That that's probably our best win of the season, our most costly win of the season as well, because it cost us Zach Collins as he basically you know screwed up his his left shoulder going for a rebound against Luka Doncic. But um, Sage, I've got the Mavericks winning this one. I just don't know if Portland has the the horsepower to to keep up with Dallas. I mean, they're they're top ten offensively in every single statistic. The only way I could really see it going our way is if Hassan has just an outrageously great rebounding game, where they're not, they don't have Chris Stapps and uh, potentially for this game. So it it we have to dominate rebounds for us to have a chance and. Seeing that we only have one big that's a big, I don't think we'll be rebounding that well. So I, I would go Dallas uh, uh, wins this game as well. I mean, yeah, Damon and CJ combined for 63 points in that early season contest to get us that dub. Oh, and by the way, we had Rodney Hood, who gave us uh, 20 and 6 on 8 of 12 shooting. And and, and that that is, that is no more. So... Um, Going to be difficult, uh, I think, for Portland. The matchup to watch is their bigs. Obviously, I think Porzingis probably still sits, but even if he doesn't, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Dwight Powell it, it, and Maxi. you know, Powell is extremely bouncy, especially around the rim, and, and Maxi really can shoot the ball from the three. So Hassan needs to be on his game defensively. The whole team needs to really maybe shift their philosophy and not just have him stand in the paint like Dallas is going to shoot the ball and they're going to shoot the ball from the perimeter so I've got Dallas winning that one and then Portland Portland wraps up this quick three-game trip with a back-to-back against the Oklahoma City Thunder I believe this is the fourth and final matchup of the year the Blazers are two and one against OKC 
OKC was 11-2 in their last 13 games before dropping a surprising game to the Los Angeles Lakers at home by 15 points, a game in which LeBron and AD didn't play. So you know they'll be ready to get back into the flow. Uh, This is part of a homestand for the Thunder. They are firmly entrenched in 7th, and they've been in 7th for for quite some time. They're 22-17 currently, 13-7 at home. Sage, what have the Thunder done to really... I guess, have a surprising season given how how much they lost in Westbrook and Paul George. They didn't really add anything uh, in the offseason aside from Mike Muscala. Um, yeah, well, and Shea Gilgis. Well, I, I meant, you know, they, they did make those trades, but you would say that Paul George is going to have a bigger impact than SGA and Danilo mm-hmm. and that Russ would have a bigger impact than Chris Paul. But before they even made those moves, their offseason was very quiet. They didn't, they didn't mm-hmm. do anything. So... How have they been able to really be one of the surprise teams of the league? Is it just strictly playing with a chip on their shoulder like the the 2016 Blazers did? I think that they do a very good job of playing at their pace. You know, Chris Paul is, like we said with uh, Luka, he plays at his pace. Chris Paul plays at his pace. They are... They play their guys pretty significant margins. SGA drives it, so it puts a lot of pressure and then opens up threes. I think Dennis Schroeder taking it to a next level helps them. They're they're a solid team. They're a they are average in a lot of places. The they are they just play their three guards Danilo and Stephen Adams a lot of minutes, and you know that's a thing with with their coach. He he likes playing his good players a lot of minutes. They aren't a good rebounding team. Steven Adams is the only one. They like to run a very small lineup just like us. It 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 really is a battle of very similar teams except <clears throat> the uh Thor- Th- Thunder are more healthy. What does Portland have to do to end this trip with a win or rebound. is is OKC just going to be too much? I think rebounding has to be the number one thing. Hassan has to box out Stephen Adams, and I think we need a gang rebound and contribute that way. They are not a good rebounding team. They're fine efficiently and everything else. It's just a really big discrepancy in rebounding. So if Hassan can win that matchup against Steven Adams, it's probably going to be the the big factor. And I mean, Damon, Chris Paul love fucking with each other. Like those two are just so scrappy against one another that it, it it's going to be a good matchup to watch. But I think the number one thing is Hassan beating Steven Adams for those rebounds and us out reporting. It's crazy to me that, it was on. It was Black Friday, and Black Friday feels like eons ago. But Portland put it on OKC, one thirty six to one nineteen. Melo had the most efficient game of his career. He was nine of eleven. Portland had six players in double figures, led by Dame's twenty seven. That was probably the best game the Blazers have played all year, mm-hmm. and that feels like an eternity ago. Uh, it's crazy to believe that it's not even going to be the same Blazer team that was even beat up then. That is going to be strolling into OKC. Yeah, we had Scal at that time, right? We had Scal. We had Rodney Hood. I mean, we were shit. We looked really healthy compared to where oh, we're at now. Oh, this is like the four game, like the like the five game 
Oh, we yeah. could probably make the playoffs with the spacing. This was the Blazers starting to really pick it up. But as we know, seasons change, rosters change, injuries change the the outlook of of the the team and it's not the same Blazers team. I would argue that that SGA is playing much better than he is now. Chris Paul now the, stepped it up. Now the Thunder are the more confident team and I I think you can really tell in the Blazers they're they're trying out there but they don't I just don't think they have the confidence or or the belief that that they're going to get it done. It's just been such a trying year for them and and so by by that factor alone I'm going to go with the Thunder to win just because they're confident that they're playing for something right now. We're just we're playing because we like to play the game or love and you know love or like the Thunder love the game of basketball or like whatever you want to say it doesn't really matter, but they have there's light at the end mm-hmm. of their tunnel for this season. They want to prove people wrong. You think Chris Paul's going to be like, "Ah, actually I think we should start tanking." No. They're not Chris tanking. Chris Paul ain't tanking nothing, dag. They are going to try to climb the playoff ladder mm-hmm. and Dallas is in their sights and this would be a huge win for that organization after what to happened. make the playoffs after yes i mean some would say oh it's probably uh i'm probably on this line of thinking i, I don't know if this if this playoff experience is going to be all that special for okc i don't know how much better they can get by making the playoffs this year, I was really worried they were actually going to get a really good lottery pick this year to go along with their gazillion future picks from the Rockets and Clippers. But, you know, to each their own. And, and winning is never a bad thing. And, you know, they're, they're surprising a whole lot of players. And, you know, getting additional playoff experience for SGA is not the worst thing and in the basically, world. And they, they got players. But they are also, I think, in a funny position because or going into this year, they were trying to get rid of Chris Paul. They were possibly looking to get rid of Steven Adams in his $24 million contract. Danilo Gallinari is an unrestricted free agent. I think them making the playoffs is going to put them in exactly the same position as the Trailblazers in 2016 where, shit, we didn't think we were going to be here. We have all these free agents coming up. What do we do? So it's going to be really interesting to see how Sam Presti approaches this trade deadline because I don't think he expected to keep Danilo Gallinari after the deadline. Yeah. And now I think he probably has to because of the playoffs. And now you probably ha- so that is just what is so fascinating about this league and expectations and actual results because no one would have expected OKC to be in this position, and I don't think anyone would have expected Portland to be in this position if we were moderately healthy do you think we'd be in the same tier as okc define you got to give me players of who we would have like we have a ton of players out who do we have back at least hood and scow no we would need hood and collins yeah i i just think that okc is competent like they have confident players in every single starting position and we just don't sorry i can't pay more yeah so you got lost yeah so we, I do as well. so you you have no you're not getting an edge on me this week. I guess not. All <laughs> right, Sage. Uh, let's wrap this bad boy up. Let our listeners know where they can find us. So you, we are available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast. Uh, like and five star us on iTunes. Um, you're a real one if you do that. And uh, you know we're out there. If you need, if you want to talk some ball, uh, I'm at. Desage, D-A-S-A-G-E, and Dustin is at DHaas22. 
There you go, Boom. man. Boom. Hell yeah. And we're at Holy Backboard as well. So hit us up, follow us on Twitter, and we're out there. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we're out. You may be. This is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go. Let's go.